Let's turn to seeking the face of God again in Psalm 27. Psalm 27 and verse 8. We're just going to lift the one verse and then we'll, we'll see how the Lord leads us through this again. I may do, I may not do. See how the Lord leads us this morning. One more and it'll bring us up to the holiday season. That's next week. We'll see how we get on. Verse 8, Psalm 27, verse 8. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Let's just bow in a word of prayer again. Father, we thank you that your effectual call on the salvation is mighty in our lives that you do not let us go. Neither do you stop pursuing us with your irresistible grace until we yield and bow the knee before thee. We thank you, Lord, that our salvation is all of you and none of ourselves. But, Lord, we also thank you, Lord, that throughout our life as a, a Christian and as a believer, as we walk with you, you still draw us back into the way. And you call us to seek your face, Lord, even through trials and hurts and hardships. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask you this morning to again call people, call men and call women. Again, Lord, to follow hard after you because, Lord, this world, it's so easy for it to surround us in the curves of life to choke us. It's so easy for us to let things slide and fall back and to drift away. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would call men and women this morning at the reply from the heart and not only from the lips, but from the heart will say, Thy heart, Lord, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Call us. Lord, may we run after thee. Lord, draw us. And we will run after thee. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. Now you remember, in the first part of this, and we're not going to do big recaps, but just briefly, by the way, to bring you into where we will be this morning. The word seek or bakash is the word for seek, bakash, and it means to seek, but it means to search, to search diligently, to inquire after, to search from a desire within the heart, from a desire within the inner man and the inner woman. You know, it's so easy to hear people think of willpower. Remember when I got saved from, you just know some of the stuff that I got saved from, from the life of sin, alcohol and drug addiction and all that sort of stuff. I don't want to go into it. But I remember people seeing me later down the line and saying, you know, we're so proud of you. There's nothing I did. There's nothing in me that wanted Christ nor to turn to him. It's nothing I've done. And yes, there's trials and there's temptations and there's things that call us and draw us away from the Lord. But that's when we need to seek his face for the power and the strength and the ability to follow hard after him. And it's not about willpower where once every new year someone says, I plan and give up eating chocolate or, you know, and by the 
1st of January, 5 o'clock in the afternoon after their dinner, they're back on to the chocolate biscuits again or something, you know, and others make it a day or two later. Willpower gets them a little bit further. This isn't willpower. There's no will in man before he comes to Christ, for Christ. I want to say it again. There's no will in a woman to want Christ, but rather it's his calling It's his drawing. It's his pursuing. It's his love that will not let me go. Until we come to Christ. And now we find ourselves as believers in Christ. We find ourselves drawn and saved by irresistible and sovereign grace. And all the glory returns to him because of what he's done. And the word here for you and I, it's a God who sought us out, now tells us in our walk with him to seek his face. The God who sought us out tells us to seek him out. Because the old man and the old woman tend to stray, tend to go another way. The old core says, when I would wander from the path astray, then he would draw me back into his way. In the darkest valley, I need fear no ill, for he, my shepherd, will be with me still. You see, everything of our salvation from the beginning to the ending, everything in between is all of him. Every single part of it. Here he calls to seek. When thou saidest, Here is his voice. Here is his calling. When thou saidest, seek ye my face. Notice my face. My heart said unto thy face, Lord, will I seek. And we looked at how uh, we give you an an example of this seeking. It's not a five-minute process where we go in and say, Lord, I'm seeking you. See, here I am, and off we go again. This process takes us to seek, to inquire, to search diligently through the scripture in fellowship with others under the sound of the word to seek him out until we find him. Yet he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, yet he tells us we must seek him. That is what we, until we have a consciousness in our lives and in our hearts, until we are conscious that he is with us. We use Genesis 37, we'll not turn to it because that was in part one, to show you about the same word, bakash, to seek. And as when um, Jacob says to Joseph, go and seek your brethren there in Shechem. And as he goes out, he leaves Hebron or Hebron. And he goes out towards Shechem. And when he he leaves her, the word uh, for Hebron means association. In other words, that place is history associated with God, you see. And and because of the things God has done around that area, they associated that place. But what happens whenever the Lord says, there's more for you? But I'm associated here, but there's more for you in my presence. But I'm associated with this organization, or I'm associated with this church, or I'm associated with this denomination. That's all fine. The association should be with God. And sometimes God sends us out to seek him. 
And we're told that Jacob Israel sends out Joseph to seek his brethren. And he seeks where Shechem was. Now Shechem was between two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal. And right in the center was the area and then the city of Shechem, like the Borough Council, as we would say today. And as he goes, he seeks and he's seeking and he's seeking. And we're told that a man comes across his path because he's wandering about and can't find his way. And we looked at how when you're told or given a command of God and his word and you haven't heard anything since, still stay obedient to that command until God tells you otherwise. But then we looked how out in this wilderness, Shechem means, by the way, back or shoulder, back or shoulder. And strange because here's these two shoulders, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and it sits right in between. It's like, it gives the idea of here, just right in the back of your neck and other places in Scripture. And so he goes and he says, well, they're that direction and they're searching for some miles. He's searching for some miles. God brings someone his way and says, I heard them say they go to Dotham. Dotham means two wells, a place where you can find refreshing. And God has someone lined up in your life I don't know when and I don't know how, but God has someone lined up in your life that will come across your life in order that you'll know the way when you feel you're lost and you're wandering. Where someone will come and point you to Dotham, the place of the two wells, the place where you'll drink, the place where you'll be refreshed, where you'll be helped, but the place where that which you've been seeking after will be found of you. And there he finds his brothers. Now, if you looked at that in part one, I can't go into that again. And um, we looked in other places too at other things. And then, of course, we looked at how we are not to seek God's hand, but he says, seek my face in part two. We're not to seek his hand, but his face. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And we looked at that. And you see, we already have his hand. His hand, we have the authority of the scripture and who you are in Christ. Blood washed, blood bought, righteous in Christ, justified in the sight of the Father. So when we look at this, we already have the authority. We showed you the scripture for this. That's the right hand of authority. The right hand speaks of power. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Jesus said. And the, the word there is dunamis. So we have the Holy Spirit. We are righteous in Christ. We have the authority to come into his presence. And it speaks of fellowship. And we showed you the scriptures for that also, where we have fellowship with his son. So we have the authority of the word of the Father. And then, of course, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, we have fellowship in his son. That's what we looked at last week. Notice the word that we looked at. Face. Psalm 27 and verse 8. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Both times the word face. And 76 times. It's far more times when we count other times. But for the word, it's used 76 times. The same word that's used here for face is the word ponim. Ponim, and it means presence. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, or seek my presence. My heart said unto thee, thy face or thy presence will I seek. Now there's the difference. 
I wonder how many of us when we worship this morning say, Lord, I need your presence. I'm seeking for you. In Psalm 27, notice this. When thou saidest, here is a public declaration. In other words, when we read the scripture this morning, it's purposefully to this, the psalmist, to David here, but this morning when we publicly read the scriptures as we have this morning, it declares to every single one of us and whoever else listens online, the public declaration is, when thou saidest, seek ye my face. He says it not only publicly, but plurally. So notice it's plural, it's to every one of us. God wants you to seek him. Not only here, but at home, wherever you are. God wants you to set things aside. God wants you to put things down. And he wants you to seek him diligently. It's the same word that he says, I want you to inquire after me in the scripture. I want you to get into the word, whether it's your singing and worshiping unto me. I want you to pray. I want you to seek me. So it's public, it's plural. Seek ye my face. The word face here gives the idea was particular, particularly where we are to seek his face alone. He didn't say seek my face as well as the face of another God, so-called. He didn't say seek my face as well as Buddha or Allah or Confucius or someone else. He didn't say, seek my face as well as a saint. They're all dead. (laughs) Jesus rose again. He's the only one who rose from the grave, never to die anymore. And he says this morning, seek ye my face. It's particular. Joseph, go seek out your brethren from part one. And sometimes... It seems we don't know what way we're seeking. He says, keep on seeking from that commandment until another comes or a confirmation from someone else comes your way. Seek ye my face. So it is particular. The return is, my heart saith unto thee. Here's personal. So it goes from to every one of us. Seek my face. Billy says, seek my face. Richard, seek my face. Doreen, Stephen, and Grace, and Gail, and Sandra, and Ruth, and Robert, and Sarah. And I could go on and on, and on, and on, and on. Seeking my face, seeking my face, seeking my face. But I wonder how many hearts say, personally for me, look, Billy could say, forget about Stephen. Say, I have a reverence, Stephen, respect. Forget about Stephen. Forget about Ruth and Robert. He says, my heart, Lord, I'm going to seek you. It's personal. It's personal to seek the face of Christ. And then it becomes purposeful. Purposeful. Thy face. Your face. Your presence. I will seek. Your name. am I going to seek. So the purpose is this. You're my purpose, Jesus. Get it, brother. Get it, sister. 
make him the purpose of your life. The purpose of all you are. The purpose of all you have. And it's a case of he's saying to you this morning, seek my face. None other. Let your heart say, purposefully, Jesus, your presence is what I'm going to seek. You personally, I'll seek. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. It becomes private, singular, from plural to singular. I wonder how many in CET this morning or who'll listen online will take up the gauntlet. I wonder how many of us will take up the gauntlet, take it and run with it. Lord, you're speaking to me, never mind this person beside me or behind me or in front of me. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. It's you I'm going to seek, Jesus. Notice what it says in Psalm 27. Notice what it says in verse 7. Hear, O Lord. Notice they're in prayer. They're in problem. Hear, O Lord. When I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. The idea here is that he's saying, where are you? Where are you? The times of your coldness of heart, where are you? You know something in the times of our waywardness of our heart? Where are you? Well, well, here's the thing. He's God who changes not. With him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So who moved? I have promised, he says, neither to leave you nor forsake you. So who moved? It wasn't him. It's us. We move. That's why the call must be to the heart. Mental ascension will do nothing for you in your calling. If the call's just to the mind and not the heart, it fades out. But when the hook goes into the heart of the calling of God, it pulls you from within. The idea would be that we set our minds and we mean them the best. Who's ever changed their mind? About six of us. The rest of you are all liars. <laughs> And the thing about this is we change our minds. That's why we could say, yes, oh, I, I'm going to seek you. And sitting in here this morning, this is speaking to me, and I'm going to seek you. And it's in my mind, but see if it doesn't grip the heart. Because the mind will change. But when the heart falls in love with Christ, you can't help yourself. When the call comes to the heart, it pulls you, as it were, from the inside out. 
drags you. It drags you from the very deep, innermost recesses of your being. Why do you think the early church could go to the Colosseums and be used as cat food? Burned around the walls, covered in tar and set in fire of Nero's palaces. Why do you think the reformers could go to the stake? You know why? Because it was from the heart. The calling was from the heart. They were pulled. Jesus said when Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That was right into the heart. This is who he is. Revelation of Christ. Hit him right in the heart. He was never, he was never to be the same again. He failed him. But that calling was kept by the prayers of Christ. I have prayed for thee, he says. Oh yeah, there's many times we fail him. We struggle. We don't think we're going to make it. But we have a great high priest in the glory. And he's praying for me. And he's praying for you. You see, when Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, he wasn't saying, Peter, you're the rock. And I'm going to build my church in you. And so we have the, the seed of St. Peter, so-called, in Rome. That's not what it was at all. It's the Holy Spirit. He says, you're blessed of my Father who enlightened, who illuminated, who went right into his recesses of his heart and says, here, this is who he is. This is him, my son. This is my beloved the Almighty in flesh. Thou art the Christ, he says, the Son of the living God, and I called him from his heart, from the deep inner recesses of his being. And he says, now it's on this. The word heller doesn't mean the place of burning torment, by the way, in that instance. It means even death in the grave itself will not stand against me building my ecclesia, my church. The idea is that Christ is saying there's going to be trial and there's going to be people in trouble and there's going to be situations, there's going to be murder in all areas. You're going to come under so much trouble. He says, but even that won't stop my church. And so millions give their lives. Why? Because from the heart came the very call of God. So whenever he says, seek ye my face, he's saying, Lord, where are you? I'm praying, and will you hear me when I'm praying? I know you do, but this instance, Lord, will you hear me? And the idea of it is that the next verse, here's the answer to every problem that you have. Here's the answer for every hurt. Here's the answer for everything, even the bitterness of heart. Here's the answer for the the things that's come into your family, for the, your loved ones, for the ones you're concerned about. Here's the answer in the de- when you're in, in deep mourning. Here's the answer of all of it. Lord, will you hear me, he says. Lord, when I cry with my voice, notice it's from the voice, he said, will you I cry with my voice? Have mercy upon me and answer me. Answer me, Lord. Please answer me. 
That's the answer. When thou saidest unto me, seek ye my face. Lord, I'm worried about something. Will you answer me? I don't know how we're going to pay our bills or because of something's happened with our jobs or whatever. Lord, will you answer me? I'm, I'm worried about my health. Will you answer me? I'm concerned about my son, my daughter, my loved one, my parent, or whoever it may be. Will you answer me? And he, this is what he just turns around and says. Seek ye my face. Then seek my face. Oh dear. Changes the verse altogether, doesn't it? Hear me, O Lord, when I cry on, on, with my voice. Answer me. And that is the answer he gets. You see, God promptly answers the heart. And he promptly replies it, seek me. And then it's easy for us from our hearts not to say, thy face, Lord, will I seek. But it's easier for us from the heart to say, well, why don't you just do it now? What do you want me to seek you for? You're God, do it now. It's the instant, immediate response. Lord, we're in this situation now. Do you not even know or do you even care? He keeps saying, seek me. But Lord, I'm tired and I'm weary and I don't know what to do. He says, seek me. Seek my presence, my poor name, seek my face. But Lord, do you not understand how, how ill I, I've been feeling or how sore I've got or whatever it is in your life? And he just keeps saying, seek me. He who can do the instant miracle right now, that's when we need to leave it to lean on his sovereign will. We like to tell God what to do. And we like to tell him how to do it. And we like to tell him a way to do it. But if he did that with every one of us, guess what? He no longer is God. You become his God. You become his master. But instead he says, I love you. You're mine. But I'm still God. (laughs) Seek my face. Maybe our hearts this morning and all of our weariness, whoever, whatever it is or whatever it may be, and we're saying, Lord, why not now? Well, maybe he's just got someone lined up like he had with Joseph to say, I've met you at this point. You're wandering around like Joseph in your Shechem. And he says, you're going to Dotham. What have I to go to Dotham for? Well, your brothers, Joseph, are up there. I heard them say that. There is your confirmation this morning. You keep going. And you're going to come to the double well of blessing. The place, the double well of refreshing. Because you're seeking his face. He says, my heart is set unto thee. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Just put them there and we'll do one more week, God willing, next week. And that'll round us up with this. I hear people saying, and, and, and they mean well. And they, I've actually heard a, a, some people, a godly Christian men, especially, maybe speaking to someone, and I've used 2 Samuel 
7 and 13, when Nathan comes to David, and David's planning to build a temple, doesn't know what to do, and he comes to him. And he says to him, go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Wow. He leaves David and off he goes. This is the prophet Nathan. See, by the time he gets home, God says to him, you go back there and don't tell him to do all that's in his heart because I'm not in that. Solomon built the temple. Sometimes we think, oh, just go and do all that's in your heart. It's in my heart to do it. That's not, doesn't mean it's off God. <laughs> Even in a Christian. Even in a Christian. The, the Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the Lord tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I try the reins, he says. The word reins means the kidneys. He, he goes deeper still. You see, your heart and my heart, we could say, you know what? Your heart is just to do that. Go do it. Just go and do it. That's nonsense. Please don't do what's in your heart. Do what God's heart tells you to do. It's not your heart. It's his heart. It's not your heart. It's his will. One of the most dangerous things you can tell a young person or a young Christian, hi, sure, just go and do what's in your heart. What? Or anyone? What? Your heart could be deceiving you. See, if you want to know the heart of God, then he says, seek ye my face. Where is it in here? And see if you don't get it in here, the man who comes to the wilderness in the wilderness to you to point you to Dotham, then don't do it. I had a dream last night. Listen, I can believe that God can speak in dreams. But some people eat too much cheese before they go to bed at night, I'm telling you. <laughs> and every Sunday night, Tracy Commons comes up to me with this pile. I don't know where she makes it or Heather or who it is. Bread with cheese, like this thick on every slice, all piled up like this. And I thought, Tracy, see if I get all that cheese. I'll be dreaming of flan elephants and furries or something during the night. It's not about our dreams. It's about the word of God. What does it say? What does he say? Seek ye my face, my heart. Notice my heart. It's the call from the word. I'll use this one, this verse, and I'll close. In Psalm 45 and verse 1. Here's one to make you think, Okay. Make you think. Now you know, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm unashamed and I'm a, of that. As I've said before, I'm not one of the other people that, that's maybe a bit taking Pentecost somewhere else. I believe in all the gifts the nine spiritual gifts listed, 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and so on. I believe in them all. 
We operate them in the church. The Spirit moves in this church and it has blessed and encouraged, it has directed. So I believe in all of these things. But here's something. Were the spiritual gifts operating in the Old Testament? I've already taught you in some of those. Some of them were, yes. Just not in the way they are in the church today. But Psalm 45 and verse 1 says, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. The idea here is that when you go, we'll not go to verse 7. Jesus is the subject and the object of this. My heart is indicting a good matter. The idea here is the Spirit of God, the anointing has impressed on him to write this musical psalm. To write this word that you and I are blessed with this morning. But notice the word, my, my heart is indicting. Do you know what this gives the idea of? The Spirit of God, the anointing has come upon David and the word indicting is my heart. It's starting to bubble up inside me. It's getting ready to pour forth from out of my mouth. Sounds like the second blessing of Pentecost to me before it even comes. Notice what he says. My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Now, if you are a writer of something, maybe where it's books or articles or, or sermons or whatever, you'll know if you go to study, sometimes I go to study, and I'm sitting down, and even I've got the, the scripture and I've been praying about it, been thinking about it. You know, look, when I bring you something, I don't bring you something, I think, I'm just going to jot down three wee things while watching the TV, and I'm going to bring you a wee thought. Or some people do that. Or there's others who have printed them off on the internet, somebody else's sermons. You're meant to take it from your own well. And nothing sitting in front of a TV with a Western on or something like that. You know, or, you know it's not that. In this place, seeking his face. The Spirit gives you the, uh, the, the, the ability to write. But sometimes I have the scripture and I've been seeking his face and I go to write and there's a blank. So I'll go and pray again to come back. Blank. Not ready yet. Sometimes I leave it even to the Saturday before the Sunday. I just can't get it. All these ideas are around my head. They're going, they're going mad around my head. But can I formulate it? Because I don't know what, as in the sense of get it on the page. I just can't get it. My, my pen is like, it won't write. I don't know what to do. And I get frustrated sometimes. Say, Lord, will you give me this? And I'm learning more and more to just say, well, you'll give me it when I need it. My tongue is as the pen of a ready writer, says the psalmist. He says, my heart. It gives the idea of a welling and a bubbling up like a pot that's going to bubble over. He says, now my tongue. Hello? Sounds like something, does it? Another tongue. See, whenever I get that, now you can write. Sometimes, I'm, nearly every time I'm praying, Lord, I have my pen in my hand. Push it, please. I do. I literally say that. Please push it. See, when I start writing, I can't st- I'm away down here and I haven't wrote it yet. 
I'm going, oh, I get frustrated because I can't write fast enough. And it's coming, it's coming. I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. I just won't write fast enough. My tongue, he says, is as the pen of a ready writer. Sounds like a tongue to me, doesn't it? He's like a man filled with the Spirit, knew nothing of the Holy Ghost when he's writing these songs. I think he knew nothing what it was to be welled up with the spirit and his tongue unable to try and get the words that he needed out. That's what he's saying. And I have written it concerning the king, as touching the king, he says. The idea is, because of who you are, and I'm seeking your face, my heart is for you, Jesus. And I just can't get this out quick enough. That's what you find. God bless his word to us this morning.